Sermons from Broome Anglican Church in the Diocese of North West Australia. Well, if you're serious about following Jesus, then you've probably worked out by now that it can be pretty hard. As we follow Jesus, we're confronted by our own sin and we're challenged to change. That's hard. We're encouraged to forgive those who hurt us, to pray for those who hate us. That's pretty hard. And then there's the sacrifices that we might make for Jesus. The hard decisions to prioritise church over sport, or the extra time spent practising music or preparing morning tea for the good of our church family or many other ways that people serve. And those things can be a real joy, but sometimes we can feel unappreciated or hurt by others in the church family. And that's hard. And then there's our relationships with people who don't believe in Jesus. It can get pretty uncomfortable sticking our neck out for Jesus at work, with your friends, at school. People might laugh at you. They might leave you out of their conversations. They might accuse you of hate speech because you don't agree with certain ways of living. I think we're getting closer to a time in Australia when people's jobs might be in jeopardy because they hold to Christian beliefs. And one day, like many Christians around the world, there might come a time where we will face the threat of imprisonment or even death because we follow Jesus. It's hard for us to imagine, but that is something that's pretty normal for so many of our brothers and sisters around the world. The point is that when you follow Jesus, there will be hard times. So how do we keep going? How do we keep trusting that Jesus is the best way when we're going through pain and trouble? How do we keep putting in the effort to live for Jesus and to love others when sometimes it just seems to make life harder for us? Well, I think that 1 Peter chapter 1, the reading that David read out to us, I think it gives us a lot of help for that. Peter was one of Jesus' apostles, and he was one of those 12 men that Jesus called to follow him. He spent three years travelling with Jesus, learning from Jesus, and then he and all the other apostles were sent out by Jesus to take Jesus' message of salvation to the whole world. Peter knew firsthand that living for Jesus was not easy. And the people that he was writing this letter to, the first people that he was writing to, they were also doing it pretty tough as Christians. Peter wrote this letter at a time that persecution was starting to really ramp up against Christians in the Roman Empire. But Peter wanted these Christians to know that Jesus was worth the trouble. He wanted them to know that Jesus was worth the trouble. And in these opening words in his letter that we've read out, I think we see three things for Christians to remember when we're going through hard times. Three things that will help us to persevere in our faith in Jesus even when things are tough. The first thing is this. In hard times, remember your identity so that you can keep trusting and follow Jesus. In hard times, remember your identity so that you can keep following Jesus. Remembering who you are will help you keep going through suffering. 
Have a look in verse 1 there of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He calls them elect exiles. Do you remember what it was like to be chosen for a sports team in high school? A bit further ago for some of us than others. Or maybe you remember what it's like to not be chosen. When I was at school, there wasn't room for everyone to be on the rec soccer team. And so we had to go through the tryouts and then the agonising wait overnight till the next day to see whether our names were on the list of those chosen for the team. Absolute excitement if your name was on the list. Bitter disappointment if your name was not there. It is such an honour to be chosen by the PE teacher to be on the school's team. So how much better is it to be chosen by God to be one of his people? Peter wants us to remember that as Christians we are God's elect. If you have faith in Jesus then God has chosen you to belong to him. He's picked you to be on his team. And for Peter, this idea of election is a, a comfort and an encouragement to suffering Christians. He wants them to be confident in their identity. He wants them to be assured that they really do belong to God. And however it is that God chooses people, I hope that you too can feel encouraged and reassured and happy that God chose you to belong to him. Now, when you get picked for a sports team at school, you might get handed a special jersey to mark you out as a player representing your school. And then it's up to you to follow, follow the captain's instructions on game day and hopefully you come out as a winner at the end. Well, the jersey that God hands us is the gift of his Holy Spirit. So if you have a look in verse 2 there, it says that God's Holy Spirit has sanctified us. He's marked us out. To represent God by obeying our captain Jesus. As well as that in verse 2 it says that God sprinkles us with Jesus' blood. That doesn't really sound very nice does it? But it's an image that comes from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament when God made an agreement with the Israelites that they would be his people. He sealed that agreement by getting Moses and the priests to sprinkle the blood of an animal over the people. And in the same sort of way, Jesus' blood, his death for us, has sealed an agreement between us and God. When we believe that Jesus died for our sins, it's like we're sprinkled with his blood as a sign that God is ours and we are his. It's really helpful to remember how privileged we are to be God's special people because there's times as Christians that we're going to feel like we don't belong. Because notice there in verse 1 that Peter calls the Christians, he's writing to elect exiles. He's writing to exiles of the, of the dispersion. These were Christians who were living in what we now know as Turkey. Many of them had probably fled their homes because of persecution. They were literally refugees. But I think Peter also has in mind what all true Christians experience. 
When you get serious about following Jesus, you find that you don't fit in with the unbelievers around you anymore. You've got different values. You've got different goals. You talk about different things. You might even get given a hard time for your faith. See, following Jesus makes us strangers. Strangers in our own school, among our own friends. Strangers even in our own family. And that can be really unsettling. That can be really challenging. But that's when we need to remember that we do belong. We belong to God. And we do fit in somewhere. We fit in with His people. So that's the first thing. In hard times, remember your identity so that you can keep on trusting and following Jesus. The second thing is this. In, remember, in hard times, remember the hope that you have for the future so that you can keep on trusting and following Jesus. Remember your future hope. That's what Peter talks about in verses 3 to 5. These are wonderful verses. Have a look at verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter is praising God because God has mercifully changed our future. God has mercifully changed what we're heading for. Without Jesus, our future is dark and hopeless. The Bible says that we're heading for spiritual death and eternity in hell because of our sin. Not a good future, but it's what we deserve. But Peter says that everyone who trusts in Jesus has been given a second chance at life. We're born again. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment that we deserve for our sin, and when he rose again, it's like he's dragged us with him. We now have new life too. Because he has new life. And this life is full of living hope, Peter says. We're not looking forward to a hopeless future anymore. Instead, we're looking forward to an unimaginably wonderful future with God in heaven. Can you imagine how good your life would be if you didn't have to deal with tiredness and sickness and trauma and an aging body and death? Can you imagine how good life would be without broken relationships and fear and financial stress? Can you imagine how good life would be without regret and failure and anxiety and guilt? If you can imagine what life would be like without those things, then you're getting a tiny glimpse of what life with God in heaven is going to be like. And Peter says, that life is your inheritance. You are one of God's kids, and God has written a will for you that promises you heaven. You will inherit heaven. And God has guaranteed this inheritance by raising Jesus from the dead. That's when he signed on the dotted line. See, when the Bible talks about the hope of heaven, it's, it's not wishful thinking. It's not just 
pie in the sky when you die, hopefully. No, it is a certainty. It is guaranteed. It is already there waiting for you. It is guaranteed. It is rooted in the historical event of Jesus rising from the dead. And nothing can take it away. It can't rust. It can't be stolen. It's not affected by interest rates. And to top it all off, Peter says that God is personally escorting you to heaven. Just have a look at verse 5 there. You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You're being guarded by God's power. If it was up to us to get to heaven, we'd have no chance of ever making it. We're weak, we're sinful, we get easily distracted, we have doubts. But Peter says that if you have faith in Jesus, that he has done all that is necessary to get you to heaven, then God will protect you from all the three things that might stop you from getting there. You might be going through a really hard time at the moment. But if you're a Christian, then remember that there is real light at the end of the tunnel. You have a good reason to be hopeful. Because as you trust in Jesus, God's power is shielding you for that wonderful future. It's like we're in a bulletproof car that's taking us to our destination. The bullets are flying everywhere. But God is guarding us so that we will get to the end. You can sleep at night knowing that God has you in his hands. So in the hard times, remember your identity and remember the hope that you have for the future. But there's one more. In the hard times, remember that God is using those times to test and strengthen your faith so that you can keep on trusting and following Jesus. Remember that God is using those times to test and strengthen your faith. That's what Peter talks about in verse 6. Verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you notice there that Peter thinks it's normal for Christians to experience hard things that are going to grieve us? It's normal. There are books and preachers out there that seem to suggest that God blesses faithful Christians with an easier life. They say that if you're faithful to God, he'll make you healthy, he'll make you wealthy, he'll give you a comfortable life. But Peter seems to be saying the opposite here, doesn't he? Rather than genuine faith leading to less suffering, it seems that suffering makes faith genuine. Gold is heated up to burn away all the rubbish so that only pure gold is left. And in a similar way, Peter seems to be saying that the trials in our lives are like the fire that makes our faith more pure. And I think this rings true in practice. Because when life is easy, 
What are we tempted to do? When life is easy, we're tempted to trust in ourselves. We're tempted to rely on ourselves. We feel like we can manage life. Almost without God. And maybe we might even start to think that God's going to accept us because of our own good track record. But when life is hard, that's when we realise how unreliable we really are. Trials often uncover our sinful attitudes. They uncover our sinful habits. They show us how weak we actually are. And they show us how much we need to trust in Jesus for strength and for safety and for salvation. And so in that way, God uses those hard times to test our faith and to make it more resilient so that it lasts into the end. Now, knowing this doesn't make the trials any less painful. And it doesn't explain why some Christians seem to suffer more than others. It also doesn't excuse the evil that people may have done to us. But we can take comfort from knowing that the pain and the tears are not wasted. They're not wasted. God uses all of us all of it, sorry. God uses all of it to make us ready for the day that Jesus is going to come and save us once and for all. Verses 8 and 9 there, I think, are very challenging verses. In those verses, Peter describes the Christians who are suffering for their faith as people who love Jesus. They're willing to stand up for Jesus even when it hurts because they love Jesus. And more than that, they're glad, they're filled with joy at suffering for Jesus because they know that they're on the way to salvation. For those Christians that Peter was writing to, it seems that being saved by Jesus was worth so much more than a comfortable life. <coughs> that makes me question my own relationship with Jesus. Do I love him that much? How much would I be willing to go through for him? Do I love him enough to be joyful, even when it's hard to follow Jesus? I think probably grumpy and grumbling is a better description of me when things get tough than about you. I have a lot of room to grow in this area, that's for sure. I think too often I take Jesus for granted. I don't appreciate how merciful God has been to me by choosing me to be one of his. And I forget how precious my heavenly inheritance really is. But it is precious. We don't have time to look at it closely, but in verses 10 to 12, Peter explains that that wonderful hope that we have through our faith in Jesus, it's the climax of God's whole plan for the world. Even angels marvel at the wonderful things that God has done for his people through Jesus. That's how good it is. Even the angels minds are blown by it. It's all these things that Peter wants suffering Christians to keep in mind. When things get tough, remember your identity. God chose you to belong to him. When things get tough, remember your future. Your heavenly inheritance is waiting for you. And with God's help, you will get it. And when things get tough, 
remember that those tough times are not wasted. God's using it to test and strengthen your faith so that you will stick with Jesus until the end. In short, I think Peter's message is this. There's pain now, but it'll be worth it in the end. So hang in there. We hope that sermon helped you. To connect with us, visit our website, broomanglican.church.